Well, hello and welcome to Finding Our Way, our Southridge Church member podcast designed to give people the inside scoop on life in our church. Here's our host and lead pastor, Jeff Lockyer. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of Finding Our Way. Uh, We are going to dive into some local church business speak this morning, Uh, fresh out of uh, a weekend ago, our local church's annual general meeting. And so I have with me our ministry services director, Kathy Vandriel. Kathy, welcome back. Thanks, Jeff. It's great to be here. We've uh, had conversations over the years as finance director and as finance and HR director and as acting ministry services director. And finally, we're at the point where we're just tying it all together. So that probably yeah. feels good. <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> Um, do you want to give us a quick update? Probably been a year since we've checked in, uh, just on how you're doing, how the fam's doing, what's going on in your world these days. Sure. I mean, it's, it's a busy time of year from a work perspective. So, um, that's been a lot of what's on my mind and in my days, but outside of work stuff, um, I'm just doing a lot of things, especially like with winter, I'm more of like a homebody person generally, but when it's colder, so spending time at home, doing things that I enjoy, whether it's working out or spending time with my husband, Dave, or our various pets, we have a dog and a couple of cats. So just pretty much chilling at home is what a lot of the times that I'm doing when I'm not working. And as far as work being crazy in this season, is it, is it more than just the AGM prep and the audit that goes with that. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Uh, And then all of the kind of residual things that happen as a result of those decisions, or is there more on your, on your plate right now? Yeah, it's, it's more than that. I mean, that's a busy time, even in the previous titles that I, you mentioned that I had, Um, but just in leading this team now, just with overseeing facility and it's winter time. And we've had a few new folks join the team in the last couple of months as transitioning some of my HR functions to Debbie Burns. So it's training people and just the amount of time to offload, you know, that it takes just a bit more time to orient people and to come alongside them as they're learning and picking up things that I have done for many years. So that just takes more time and it's kind of on top of the usual busyness of this season. So they're all good things, but it's just a lot of things right now. Yeah. Yeah. I I know you've been for a while kind of focused on the hiring process. Um, Talk about some needs that, that your department has just kind of even real time or in this, in this coming season that if someone's listening, you know, whether from another church or you're a Southridge member listening and you've got some of these, you know, more business and operational oriented skills and passions, you know, maybe there's a a fit for you. Yeah, sure. We are still looking for um, someone to for in a finance administrative type role. So it's a four day a week job. I'm doing a lot of accounting, day to day bookkeeping, things like that. Um, whether it's related to paying the bills for the various things that we do, our processing donations for the donations received, as well as a lot of reporting related to our homelessness services. So if you're a of a numbers kind of person and you like the details, um, I'd love to chat with you. Um, yeah. Very good. Okay, well, let's dive into that subject today. And I'm uh, not sure how other local churches kind of view finances, view their financial systems or whatever, but uh, we once in a while like to talk about ours, both for our own members' sake, but also so that uh, other local church leaders can just, just 
get a, a sense for how other churches view this kind of stuff. So I hope that that uh, is a helpful resource for you if you're a, a leader from another church that's listening in today. Um, Kathy, we recently completed our Southridge annual general meeting, which is kind of the pinnacle of all of this in our annual rhythm. Um, just give us some review on what happens at our AGM. Sure. At our AGM, it's a time for our affirmed church members to convene as a group. And there's a essentially a couple of pieces of business that we um, look after that would be affirming our term renewing elders. So it gives us a chance to hear from those folks whose term is renewing and just hearing their experience has been in their past term and why they feel that they're called and they would want to continue to serve in that. So we vote on that. And then the second thing that we do is we approve the 2020 three or that year's budget um, that has been developed um, in collaboration with our board and our leadership team and our staff. And then we bring that to the membership and the membership votes on approving that. And from your perspective, you know, knowing the, the kind of the scale of our organization and the reality that if you're a, a, a church member and you're participating in these decisions, I mean, so much of this you're not familiar with, you might not be familiar with the individual elder whose term is renewing. You might not be familiar with a lot of the budget lines and the detail. You might not even have a lot of fa- uh, financial acumen. But uh, in, in light of that, tell us from your perspective why our AGM is so critical in the life and for the health of our church. Yeah, I think it's important um, for us as members to hear from the leadership. So you may not know the certain elder that's renewing, but to actually hear the heart and the perspective of the people who are leading the church um, that you're a part of. And also to participate in the accountability mechanism that the voting is at the AGM as members, as we, we hear these things and as related to the budget or the information that we know, it's our responsibility as an accountability mechanism, as well as it's a vote of, of trust. You may not know the details, but from the people that you know, the leadership that you know, how you're connected to the church, it's a demonstration of trust and participation together in what it means to be a local church. Well, I was going to kind of ask about that because if I'm a, a, a church member wondering, like leadership generally makes decisions on, on various things, you know, they exercise a, a degree of authority according to their different and departmental responsibilities. Um, so if leaders are making decisions around here, by and large, what, what, what's my role? What's a member's role at an event like the AGM and, and why does a member matter? I mean, from our bylaws perspective, it matters that we have to have a quorum of members to vote on that as just as an incorporated organization. But I think, again, like I said, about the trust in the leaders, you may not know the details and the leaders are leading, but it's a place that if you do have questions or it's an opportunity for you to get a bit more information or something that you're wondering about, if maybe you don't feel like you have another way to do that, you can come to this event and hopefully learn some more information and if you have a question, you can ask that and you can participate of um, what it means to us to be that group of folks together each year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, 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 it kind of comes full circle because when, when we're talking about, you know, keeping leaders accountable, well, that's where we have the, the guardian and the, the, the oversight role of our board. But who ultimately keeps our board accountable? Well, we've designated, you mentioned our bylaws. This gets a little technical, but... Uh, you know, we've designated these four core matters, we call them in our bylaws, as things that our members have veto power to decide mm-hmm. or to overrule in, in, in that sense. And so, you know, when it comes to the term renewal of elders, we make recommendations, but our membership 
they don't feel comfortable with that, they can overrule it. They have kind of that veto power. Mm-hmm. When it comes to our budget, they can overrule it. They have that veto power. When it comes to number three, an, an expenditure outside of our budget that over uh, that exceeds 10% of our budget, uh, so a, a significant mid-year expense, they can overrule that. And, mm-hmm. uh, and then finally, if we ever dissolved as a church, the dissolution of a church requires our, our, our member approval. And so regardless of what leaders want to do, the members do, even mm-hmm. at a legal level, at an official level, they have the final say uh, in those ways. And I would say that that's one of the really helpful accountabilities in the system of life and leadership in our community. Another one that I'd love for you to speak to a little bit, I mentioned it earlier, is the kind of third party outside expert analysis of our auditors. Um, I know you participate pretty closely in the audit process. Why does that matter and what happens there? Yeah, so um, our board each year appoints yeah, an external auditor. So it's a, a, a accounting firm that comes in and they um, review all of the things that we do. So financial transactions, review our internal controls. They ask a lot of questions. There's a lot of documentation of going through like this, the processes that we do to basically anything related to money. They ask a question about that and check that our internal processes are um, meeting to the what they call the generally accepted accounting principles for a not-for-profit. And they test our financial processes. Not only do they ask us and we tell them what it is, then they say, okay, let's walk it through and test that out and see that it actually then you're following what it does. And then at times when they they have recommendations of things that we can do to tighten that up a little bit, they would say even like they test for fraud. And so they advise to the board, they meet with board members and advise like, hey, to say, no, this looks legitimate, like these types of things, nothing like that has happened. Here are some things that could tighten up a bit or, and just to make sure that, that again, that external set of eyes, that outside of us, there's somebody coming in who are professionals and experts at this that look over these things and make sure that we're doing things that are the best and responsible ways for us to utilize the funds that we're entrusted with. That's great. The outside set of eyes, I mean, it's, it's a huge amount of work for you and for your department because it's probably the better part of a two-month, if not longer, uh, pretty mm-hmm. intensive process. I know there are weeks where they're like, in-house, on-site, digging yep. into stuff, never mind mm-hmm. just sending emails back and forth. And so, uh, you know, when you think about a sixth of your year is getting outside analyzed, uh, uh, that's a, a pretty weighty investment, a pretty significant process. So great yeah, to know sure. that that happens. Um, you mentioned in, in the AGM kind of these two facets, board approval and also the, the, the budget approval. So let's let's talk about the annual budget, e- even this past year, I guess, first things first, to members who maybe missed the, the AGM. How did we do financially last year? Uh, last year, I mean, we said that at the AGM. Last year was a hard year financially. I think um, we ended the year in a deficit last year, uh, which we haven't had too many times over the course of the years of our church. And we had had to eat into a bit of, of the reserves that we had had um, beforehand. And uh, the most difficult year of the pandemic, actually, it felt like in our experience was last year financially. Um, just a number of ways we've talked about on the podcast before. Um, it's been difficult in a lot of ways um, from a church just building back and coming out of the pandemic and people personally and financially, it was the same as well. It felt like it was the most difficult year from a church perspective financially um, that we had of the last three years. Yeah, it's interesting. I think when the pandemic first hit, we felt like, wow, this is going to be a financial challenge for us. Mm -hmm. And at first, 
it kind of wasn't. Year one, we socked away a, a, a pretty substantive surplus. So then in year two, we thought, okay, this is going to be a challenge for us and probably expected to eat into some of that cash reserve that we built up in year one and kind of skated through the second year pretty pretty neutral, pretty, pretty break even and thought, wow, well, maybe, you know, maybe we're out of it. Maybe the impact of the pandemic isn't going to affect us as significantly financially as we had anticipated at first. And then year three happened. And I was like, okay, this is, this is now the residual uh, impact. And thankfully we had that reserve from year one. Um, I mean, even beyond year one, but we had from year one, a pretty substantive surplus to, to be able to kind of balance out. So we've probably been pretty much cash neutral through the pandemic, but this past year, uh, like you said, was a, a pretty significant deficit. And so to, to prepare now for year four, feeling like, oh, we're not sure whether next year or this coming year now is going to be a rebound or whether it's going to be you know, tight again, um, just make some comments to highlight some of the main changes in this year's budget from last year, given that last year we experienced a pretty substantive deficit. Yeah, so the main change um, that we've done is around our payroll scale. So through the course of the pandemic, we had not um, reduced scale in our payroll at all. And so for this coming year, realizing through whether it's some transitions or things that are happening of just scaling back our payroll, close, like around $200,000, just to be in line with that goal of our uh our pie we talk about, if you talk about the AGM of the percentages kind of of our budget each year, we kind of have goals for each area and for payroll, we're by reducing that scale, it gets us closer to that goal and also then helps us in just living in the reality that we experienced last year of we have to be planning differently for the budget. And so that was the main way we did that. Um, one of the things that we just had to face, as I'm sure personally people are experiencing as well, is that utilities have increased a lot. So we just needed to be aware of that in our budget. And when you're talking about three facilities, that cost of living type increase around those, we had to factor that in. And so that's something as well that kind of went up. And then the payroll was scaling that um, just to be more in line um, with where we would hope to be in that goal and just to help reduce our expenses. Yeah, when you say utilities go up a lot, um you know, there's a there's an incremental increase every year, and we kind of finagle what we ought to kind of spitball or guesstimate as a uh, as a budget number, given that that incremental increase. And you know, the last few years, I, I if my memory serves me correctly, you know, our gas bill's been well, it was 25, and then it was maybe 28 or 30 or 35 or what. And I think last year we carried 35, and all of a sudden uh, the actual was like 49. It's like, mm-hmm. whoa, this is this yeah. is this is a different this is a different league. So yeah. um, you know, certainly we're trying to navigate that. And I, I appreciated your comment about scale because we've said in a, a few different environments that you know coming out of the pandemic is like replanting a church. Mm-hmm. And you don't replant at full scale, right? You you yeah. you don't just press play having paused through the pandemic. If it's replanting, you're kind of starting again. And have to appreciate that you're starting at a smaller scale and starting at a reduced scale. And we didn't want to do that uh, with our payroll because it obviously affects individual people and lives and families. But um, for the most part, we were able to experience some attrition last year mm-hmm. and uh, are, are able to move forward in, in what we feel like is a, a manageable and a responsible payroll scale. So hoping that that, that sets us up for a, a better year now moving forward. Another part that we've looked at you know, isn't so much on the expense side, but on the revenue side, 
And, you know, knowing that these budgets and the budget we just approved has to get paid for, talk about what we've started to do in analyzing the revenue decline that we saw last year. Because it wasn't just scaling back, you know, on the expenses. You know, part of the, the deficit situation was because there was some revenue that instead of rebounding actually declined. Yeah, so what we did is some analysis of what we call we call like giving units, so whether it's a household, a company, an individual, doing some analysis around giving units, focusing um, more on like on the top 25 of the last couple of years, like from say 2021 to 2022, what kind of happened in that, that group of folks just to kind of anal- analyze like, yeah, just again, because whether it's business or just different circumstances that would affect those units to kind of just see what happened, because obviously those folks would be more like disproportionate when things change for them. If they're larger donors, it obviously affects our analysis or our giving. So that's where we started our analysis this year. And what would you say that we've noticed or I mean, we're just staring at the there's these 25 this list of 25 numbers. Right. <laughs> so just, you know, for people that did wonder about how this works, um, you know, you're, you're, you're calling them very, very uh, germane terms. These yes. are names that we, that we know. Yeah. Um, these are just, this is just a list of numbers. So we've got this stack of numbers in 2021 compared to a stack of numbers in 2022. Um, what would you say that we've noticed so far? there's a few factors. I mean, we've talked about the pandemic a few times and coming out of the pandemic, we've seen a few things. People are slower to return to church. I think across Christendom or churches in North America, at least that that's been the experience of people are slower to return to church, which would then mean they're slower to return with their giving dollars. I think through the course of the pandemic as a church, we found people, um, choosing to worship at other churches, so leaving Southridge. And so therefore, if they're givers, their donors, donations are going with them. And in the last, I would say even in the last few months, or for sure through 2022, as we've uh, fully live, lived out the love beyond belief, working towards that journey of fully living out love beyond belief, as it relates to LGBTQ inclusion, there are some folks who have chosen that Southridge um, is just no longer the church for them, that they don't align with those beliefs or the way that we're going. So when that happens, I mean, there are people and their relationships and those things get lost and those move on as well. And if, if they were donating and giving to your church, then their their dollars go with them as well. So those have been some of the major things and the economy. I think it's been unsure for people, just the cost going up. It just kind of, uh, it affects people personally, as well as just maybe makes people a little more tight with with money, and those are probably a few of the factors I would say that would affect the mm-hmm. decline last year. Yeah, it was interesting to look at those numbers. We, we had one conversation around them, and, and I was probably struck in the opposite sense, looking at least for starters, just at the top 25 giving units, that probably 20 of the 25 were retained and were as strong, if not stronger, than in 2021. Hmm. So it wasn't that the top 25 just in general kind of declined or in general gave less or the top 25 was generally pretty solid. There were a handful of, of numbers that went from a top 25 level of significance number to like zero or to almost right. zero. Or like there was a handful of uh, quite drastic shifts, which, uh, you know, then you got to kind of dig under the hood and try to analyze why that would be. But uh, a handful of, of shifts that probably totaled almost, I think we did the math, almost 100 grand, 90 or so, almost 100 grand just there uh, among the top 25 givers. But the other thing that you had said, and we hadn't looked at this yet, but 
Uh, you had said that between 2021 and 2022, there were new top 25 givers that had emerged and actually maybe shown up or given more or whatever that uh, actually compensated for a, a, a portion of that, maybe 50 or 60 grand uh, worth of that 90 or 100. So uh, looking at the top 25, at least, there was, I would say, a, a relative degree of strength. I was quite encouraged, frankly. Wondering about uh, if you've had any other conversations with people just about giving and giving patterns and, uh, you know, when you talked about inflation or you talked about uh, interest rates or, you know, housing mm-hmm. costs or uh, have you kind of heard or from an insider finance director history uh, gotten a sense for, for any of that? Um, not too many of those, like people generally wouldn't come to me to to tell me that sometimes people avoid me around these conversations, to be honest. But yeah, just to pick up on what you just said about the 25 giving units, for sure that there are people who has, who have come into that group of people as well. And so we're encouraged to see that as well of folks come and engage in what we're doing here at Southridge. So yeah, I mean, giving units are tracking people's decline or changes. I think changes is just even through the pandemic. I mean, I don't even know if people listening like checks. Remember checks when we wrote personal checks and brought them to church and put them in the offering. That was very much what happened kind of before COVID. But during that time, I think people have just changed. So whether it's checks or people doing automatic withdrawal from those bank, like that used to be kind of cutting edge technology. But through the pandemic, whether it's e-transfer or setting up with credit cards, I think people just change the way that they give. So in those ways, I've, those are one of the changes that I've noticed in the last couple of years, for sure. And it's otherwise, it's kind of just a little bit of everything as far as like how people give and things like that. But yeah, I mean, as far as cost of living or those specific questions, I haven't had too many personal conversations with people about it. But um yeah, those are just some of the things that I would say I've noticed from like an analysis perspective. Hmm. One of the things that we've wondered about internally is just, you know, whether our lack of teaching or lack of reminding or training or whatever the word is you want to use, uh, you know, has actually allowed people's kind of financial stewardship to either be underdeveloped or, or fuzzy. And, hmm. you know, certainly we're coming at it as a leadership from the perspective of battling against the impression that outsiders or people new to the church have that all the church wants is your money. So right. you know, we really try to downplay that. And yet, you know, more than any other subject, Jesus talked about the relationship between faith and finances and, and the, the, the grip that money has on and the, the, the way that it can get utilized for struggle or for strength in a life of faith. And so I, I just want to devote a couple of minutes to this, Kath, and, and, and just pick your brain on what you would say is the, the, the most important thing to remember when it comes to faithful financial stewardship. If, if we were going to teach anything to someone listening about financial stewardship from a faith perspective, what would you say? I would say financial stewardship, if we view it rather as like what you're talking about, the kind of the bad reputation the church has, how I would view it is that's a tool um, in our spiritual practice, in our spiritual growth as we want to grow as Jesus followers, to view it something similar to prayer or worship or reading the Bible or getting together in community with people 
um, to discuss faith and to grow and encourage each other together. I think that if viewing it that way as a way of growing us towards um, a more Jesus-centered way of viewing the world versus just, oh, the church wants our money or it has to pay the bills, which it does pay the bills, but actually to view it as a personal discipleship tool to grow us closer into the ways of Jesus. Yeah, knowing you personally, outside of the finance director role, kind of the the quarterbacking of all of the accounting of everyone's giving, this has been certainly a, a personal passion of yours. What would you say in your journey or in you, you know yours and Dave's family, uh, what would you say has helped you the most when it comes to not just financial giving, but just financial stewardship, again, from a faith perspective? Yeah, I would say for me, I just, I think about like what Jesus says, you know, where your money is, then uh, your heart will follow or where we put our treasures. So of just thinking that um, just personally, how excited and just thrilled we are to be a part of this church and what God is doing in our church and just the ways in which that then putting our money that way, just how much more like we're excited to give towards what God is doing and to, to be able to do that um, together with many others. And I think to Oftentimes where we put our money, like you said, we focus on that. So whether you're in the stock market, well, you focus on the S&P 500 a whole lot more when you've got money in the game. And in thinking about even personal things where I can kind of in the opposite way, where I can get distracted if we're doing like a renovation or I want to save for a trip or something, how much I focus on that. And it actually pulls my mind away from many other things. And so I think if I want to be a person that's more Jesus centered or we as a family want to be people that are growing to be more like Jesus, that this is a really um, important way to be able to do that by putting our money first things first in our budget towards what God is doing through the church. It just reminds us then again, as a practical way of a discipleship tool of us just continuing to want to grow and release the grip of materialism that is so easy to fall into. And just to say, no, okay, again, Jesus, I want to be the most important and I want to put my money there. So I think that's the way that I view it and remind myself of that often as well. Hmm. How would you say as a community, you know, maybe through our programs or whatever, that we can better encourage that kind of not just attitude, but behavior? How, how can we better encourage our members to participate in that pot luck that is pooling our not just time and talents, but our financial resources together? I think I would say talking about it. Even whether it's in your small group with your friends or just with folks that you're in relationship with, like just in the relationships we have with people, let's talk about it. It feels like often like a taboo subject. So just encouraging each other in those relationships we have of just just asking each other where that's at or just kind of making it a conversation of being willing to walk into the awkwardness maybe. And practically speaking, I would say like on a personal level, I would say like, just start, start with something like sometimes you feel like, oh, it's nothing or I can't like just, just start. And just as it's a practice, right? Like all these spiritual, their practices. So let's practice, like try, start and just um, view it as something that you're bringing to do together with others in the same way we worship together is that we're bringing our money together of just uh, I'm a way to do that. And practically speaking, there's some tools of whether it's automatically have it come out of your bank account. So it's just something that you don't have to forget or remember, try to remember and help with that discipline. So I would say those would be a couple of things that I would suggest. Mm -hmm. I want to wrap up by talking about some supports that we can provide as a community, but you, you tapped into what I would believe is probably the strongest support, and that is each other. Uh, we've said a number of times, 
uh, when we've talked about money and possessions and stewardship and faith and things like that, that uh, a, a really helpful and in some ways really drastic discipline would be to have a full financial transparency discussion with at least one person that isn't your spouse. Just that discipline alone uh, to kind of open up the vault and, you know, let some, let, let some outside auditor set of eyes, you know, kind of look at where you're at personally is, uh, is a really healthy discipline. But in, in, in addition to that, um, talk about some financial resources, Kathy, that, that people could access if they wanted to grow or understand uh, financial stewardship better. Sure. There's um, a couple of things I would suggest. Um, there's books that you could read. One book I would suggest, it's called Money, Possessions, and Eternity. Um, over the years, folks around here at Southridge have found that book to be a helpful book. Um, in eras of my past, I've been a major Dave Ramsey fan. It has been helpful in our family in our early married years, for sure. So the tools um, that he offers through his... Um, I don't even know what it's called. Financial peace, I think is what his kind of tagline is. Financial um, so peace his, university. That's it? right. So you could yeah. enroll in financial peace university if you're real keen about it or pick up one of his books, or I don't know if he has a podcast or something like that, but Dave Ramsey type resources are practical and, and pretty, they're supportive to anybody, whether you're financial, feel like you have financial acumen or not. I feel like it can be something that can be a resource to help, um, folks of any level of financial knowledge. And also um, there's the, uh, right now media resources that we have access to um, as a church. There's some resources there. So it's video and some questions or things like that that can kind of help um, you process or just even start a conversation, whether it's with a small group or with some friends or even as a family that you could um, utilize those resources as well. Yeah. For uh, Southridge members listening right now, media is like a, a website kind of the Christian resource equivalent of Netflix. So you can access our Southridge specific right now media page uh, through our website. And there are a number of financial stewardship and, and giving resources available there that you could work through personally, or it could be a, a fun four, six, eight, whatever session uh, journey as a life group or as a family or a couple or whatever. So uh, you might want to think about that. And I know, Kathy, that in your your department and together with location pastors and whatever that, that there is a heart if someone was looking for just outside help and not really comfortable, you know, going to a, a friend where in a confidential way we could try to provide uh, a little bit more of an up close and personal support that would help kind of comb through and review and, and just provide again, a second set of eyes into their world. So I don't know if you want to speak to that, but would want members to know that, that that's available too. Yeah, for sure. If that's something that would be helpful for you, um, they could you could reach out to your location pastor or you could reach out to myself. Um, there are folks that may be surprising too that actually enjoy doing this type of thing and find it fun. So they would be happy to help you and at the heart to serve and just to help you. It can feel overwhelming for people, but we would definitely, there'd be people that would want to walk alongside you and help you sort through some of this if that would be helpful for you, for sure. Awesome. Uh... Let's wrap up with uh, kind of a final word from you, Kath. Any final encouragements or challenges either to our Southridge members or other leaders listening when it comes to being people of faith who grow in our financial stewardship and faithfulness in the coming year? Yeah, I would say um, to take some time to really think about, I don't know whether it's often in a service or you hear the church talk about money, sometimes we tune out. 
And I would say that I would just really encourage people to view this as a spiritual practice, to take some time to prayerfully reevaluate how you spend your money, whether you budget or not, that's less what I'm concerned about, but just to talk to Jesus about that and what that would mean um, for you to be able to just grow in your followership of him um, through um, financial giving, just the ways that he would want to grow your heart towards the things that he is up to through your local context and around the world through the many um, ministries that whether your church or that you would want to support, um, just to take some time to actually intentionally to think about it, to spend some time rather than it just maybe feels overwhelming to avoid it. I would just say to, um, yeah, step into it and practice. It's, it's, yeah, that's what I would encourage. Practice, 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 right? That's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> that's great. Well, thanks for being here, Kath. And uh, I know you got a lot going on. So appreciate you making time for this and allowing us just to, to be able to check in kind of in the underbelly of how we're doing as a church financially and how we as people can uh, live this out together. So appreciate you being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. And uh, to all of you who uh, keep tracking with us, appreciate you joining in on this conversation. We'll see you in about seven days time as we continue finding our way together. Take care, everybody.